This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Well, it's Ryan and Nick again tonight. We now look and move ourselves to NFL futures, Ryan. The NFL draft, a lot more stuff starting to trickle its way out there into the ether. Rumors are starting to slowly get out there. Who's interested in who? I love silly season. It happens in the NBA around the trade deadline. Then it comes to the NFL for the draft. Then it goes back to the NBA for the NBA draft. I love all the silly seasons and NFL draft and offseason. It's, it's a beautiful combination of lies, some truth, intrigue, and, well, football. Let's be honest with ourselves. Oh, yeah, man. And I've always been a big fan of the NFL draft. Like, growing up, it was because I'm a big college football fan. And you would just wonder, I wonder where this guy's going to play next year. Or I wonder where this guy's going to play in a couple of years. Like, where is he going to be the starting quarterback? Mm-hmm. Where does he fit? Is this guy going to be a complete bust? Now I love it because it's one of my bit, uh, biggest money makers of the year, betting the NFL yeah. draft. I have one big bet right now. Marvin Harrison, first non-quarterback drafted. Me and you actually found that on like a random Wednesday yep. offshore. And it was minus yes. 185. I checked today, minus 225 in that same spot. Um, I was looking at the Ringers mock draft, actually, right before we came on the air. Caleb Williams mm-hmm. going number one to the Bears. Jaden Daniels going number two to the Commanders. Give yeah. me that all day. Yeah. Then I'm all in. Nathan, we're getting season tickets, bud, if Jaden Daniels is a commander. Uh, Drake May, number three yes. to the Pats. Give me that. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., number four to the Cardinals. I think that's the best bet that you could make, man. These pass rushers are good. Joe out and these tackles are good. But like a safety, uh, you know, like a defensive back, nobody else is going. There's a chance. I mean, we talked with, I mean, we talked with Cam last night, Cam Smith, and he said that he would take Marvin Harrison number one overall if he was Chicago and pair him with Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, both Ohio State guys, but I don't see anybody else going before him. And that's why I love the NFL draft. I'll lay a minus 185 chalk on a bet like that. And I'll bet the the limit on something like that. You know, we always say there's no such thing as locks, but... um with the NFL draft, if you get the right information, there is. And I don't have information that he's going to be the first non-quarterback taken, but I would be shocked, shocked, I tell you, if it was anybody else. Wouldn't you? Uh, I think the draft I think the draft really starts at number five. I think it's five yeah. in the Chargers and what Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers want to do. Do they want to go like a Brock Bowers? Do they want to go receiver at Malik Neighbors? If they're going to start getting younger there, do they look at, you know, you don't need a left tackle, obviously. Your pass rush is pretty strong there. I mean, do they want to add more depth there and just get best player on the board? I think there's, again, that's taking trades out of the equation. If, if Chicago trades out of the first pick, then everything is completely different. But if Chicago, Washington, New England, Arizona stay one through four, you kind of have an idea where they're going to go. Chicago's going to, if Chicago stays at one, they're taking Caleb Williams. I'm with you on the Jaden Daniels going number two. I'm really starting to, I mean, look, we talked about it a lot as the season went on, right? And we really started to see how much he'd grown and developed as a quarterback. And I said to you, I remember it was, I don't know, it was probably like a month left in, you know, the college football season. I, I was like, 
Because at that point, there wasn't a lot of talk about like where his draft stock would be in terms of like, is it a first round pick? There just wasn't. And I said, this guy's going to end up being a top 10 pick, if not higher in the NFL draft, because the workouts are going to be good. He brings all of those intangibles that teams want today in a quarterback, mobility, accuracy. I mean, the guy threw for what, 40 touchdowns and only threw four picks last year. I mean, everything is there. I know there's concern about his weight and he's only what, like 210. Okay. But he's still 6'4". So you can add the weight. You can add the muscle. You can build that on. I understand he's not going to get up to like 250, but you also want him to be mobile. You want him to get out of the pocket and do what he does. So here we are now. We're talking about him going number two overall. So, yeah, I think that's really – you get to number five. I think this is going to be one of the more chaotic, wild drafts that we have. I think there's going to be a lot of trades. You're going to have a lot of teams putting out false information too, so get ready. But that's also what makes it tough betting on the draft, right? Because if you're betting on the draft – you know, you've already got the Marvin Harrison bet that's in. My favorite bet that actually, favorite bet, period, but also one that, that came through for me was Bijan Robinson to, to the Falcons at number eight. Like that exact pick. And because yeah. you started hearing that conversation early. And what I've learned a lot of times, the early talk about certain players going to certain teams in that interest, that tends to be more of the truth. It's when you once you start getting into the middle, that's where the S sandwich gets in. And then on the very end, it's back to where it goes again. But the middle of that, that's where the chaos actually is, which may it'll make this, I think, a little more difficult when you're talking about some of those more specific bets that are there, which is why, again, laying all that chalk, minus 185, you're not going to get that anymore at Marvin Harrison, and there's still a lot of value with that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I just think that that's, I mean, Marvin Harrison, but, but the only thing that scares me, it doesn't scare me about Marvin Harrison. I just, I couldn't do it number one overall. It, like if I was Chicago, if I really wanted Marvin Harrison, I would have to trade back. I just, like Malik Neighbors, you know, Roma Dunzier, there's so many wide receivers that I really like in this draft. Oh my that gosh. I just, I couldn't do it number one. I, I do think that it's going to be Caleb Williams because I think he has the highest upside. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, I disagree with, People that say he's not special, I think he's very, very special. If you go back, I actually think what makes him special is if you go back and you and you watch last year because I thought Lincoln Riley just did a really lazy job, and I, I was a huge fan going into the season. The defense was mm -hmm. bad. Every game he had to go out there and hang 50-plus points. They had to put up over 500 total yards of offense. So like him being frustrated, mm -hmm. crying with his family after what he thought might be one of his last games at USC, that didn't really bother me, man. Um, and – the only thing with Jaden Daniels is you have Cliff Kingsbury calling plays. He's still a one read quarterback, Jaden Daniels. He's probably, I mean, I definitely think he's going to get better, but kind of like Lamar, he's a little bit of a late bloomer where people were saying he's going to have to play wide receiver. That might be his best position, or he's going to be like a weapon, not, not a natural quarterback. Yeah. He can make all the downfield throws. He's super accurate. He's obviously a great athlete. Like you said, he's not the biggest guy, but I think obviously you could put some mm -hmm. muscle on an NFL player. But that's the only thing. With Kingsbury, I would almost think for Washington, Drake May would be the better fit. I mean, he's like the prototypical 6'4", 235 type quarterback, can make every single throw. I think what people are going to be scared off is by some of the tape from the last year, year and a half really. But like he was much better when yeah. Tez Walker got there. But everybody just adjusted all these defenses after the first eight games, that first year where he just dominated in the ACC and dominated against App State. Then everybody just started throwing a bunch of too high shell. But also that was just an adjustment that a young quarterback had to make. That's what Mahomes, you know, had to learn too. They started throwing those two two safeties, you know, those two high shells at him. 
and he couldn't figure it out because he has the arm strength. He wanted to take all the deep shots. He wanted to take the underneath stuff. That's that's the only thing where, like, if you were betting exact quarterback to team, I could still maybe see Washington wanting Drake May over Jaden Daniels if Kingsbury yeah. has any say, just because he might be like, hey, it didn't work out with me and Kyler. And and they kind of remind me, I, like, Jaden Daniels is much bigger, taller, that is. Um, they're different mm-hmm. quarterbacks. But I could see him maybe wanting to work with somebody different. And I think I think he's going to be a stud, too. I like all three of these guys. I would be really scared if, for whatever reason, Washington lost their damn minds and were like, all right, we're going with J.J. McCarthy. Don't even don't even put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I don't even want to think about that. I don't want this is supposed to be a fresh start. Everything's going to be different. I want nothing to do with that. But yeah, I listen, it's it's a good position at number two, where if you're not getting Caleb, Drake May and Jane Daniels both have the opportunity. But we know, right, like situation matters so much in terms of how a young quarterback develops. I mean, the system, the organization, the coaching, the team around him. Uh, is he going to be thrown out there right away? Is he going to take some time? I mean, look at now. We just saw the third Super Bowl win for Patrick Mahomes. And what happened? They traded up for him, but he wasn't a number one overall pick. He didn't start the first year until his final game of the regular season. He had a playoff team, one of the better records in the NFL that year. So a really established team trade up for him and give him uh, really a season to develop. And now we've obviously it's a perfect fit with Andy Reid. Everything just came together. It was the perfect storm of success for that. And you're not going to get a lot of quarterbacks that are going to get in that position. So it makes it, you know, that much more difficult when you're a young guy that's going to go out there and probably expect it to start right away. And then you're told, oh, well, you're going to be our number one guy. Also get us to the playoffs. Also, our offensive line is bad. That's why Caleb Williams' dad came out and said, you know, it brought that up. And that's what Sports Illustrated article, no, GQ, the GQ article, which He's not wrong. He's not wrong about this. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Chiefs, Chiefs now have the second shortest odds to win the Super Bowl again next year. And this is probably the worst Chiefs team that we've seen, at least offensively, under Patrick Mahomes. A lot of receivers for them to take in the first round, man. A lot of receivers for them to take. I'm seeing, you know, Troy Flank, Troy Franklin, uh, you know, Keon Coleman are certainly names that are thrown out there. Brian Thomas from LSU on the back end of the yeah. first round there. This is a team with a win total, Ryan, of 10.5 right now early. Now, I know we haven't seen what they've done this offseason. I know we haven't seen what they've done in terms of draft, free agency. I just find it hard to believe that the Chiefs don't improve their gl- most glaring weaknesses. Really, really, like, they don't take it ve- they're going to take it very seriously this offseason. 10.5 wins, that feels like it's worth already taking and over at this point right now. Oh, it's hilarious that you say that because I was looking at win totals this morning and I was like, when is it too early for me to get down on a couple of these? And then I saw Chiefs 10 and a half and I said, oh, right now. And we got down (laughs) on it. So we got Packers Super Bowl futures and we got Chiefs win totals. Of course. I mean, I'm looking again. I looked at the ringer mock draft. They have them taking Lad McConkey, who I really liked out of Georgia. He was a little bit beat up. I think they could do a little bit better, to be honest. But I think that's where they address the wide receiver position because you know, they're not going to do anything. The more I thought about it, man, like T Higgins has already been franchise tagged, obviously, which I love for Cincinnati because I need to see Cincinnati, Kansas City in the playoffs. I need those teams to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of done with Buffalo, Kansas City, Josh Allen against Mahomes. I want Burrow yeah. against Mahomes. That's the real rivalry Burrow had, the one guy that could beat him now that Tom Brady's retired. Yes. But like yes. with the Chiefs, you want a wide receiver on a rookie contract because you're going to have to lock up a lot of those guys on the defensive side of the ball. That entire secondary needs to be paid over and over again. All your mm-hmm. pass rushers, because you know what I mean? Like it's it's plug and play at the wide receiver position, man. They traded away Tyreek Hill rather than pay him all that money, 80 plus mil. 
and they've won two straight Super Bowls. So what you do is you just address that position in the draft. They did a hell of a job with Rasheed Rice. You know, one really quick going back, I, I keep looking for it. I can't find it yet. I want, and it's probably going to be chalky, exact result, Arizona Cardinals draft Marvin Harrison. First three picks are going quarterback. Even yeah. if somebody's moving yep. up, it's it, it's going Drake May, it's going Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, not in that order. You know what I mean? And then Marvin Harrison to the Cardinals just makes too much sense because the Cardinals are going to want to take Joe out or they're going to want to take a tackle or an offensive lineman. But Kyler is the guy there now. And he's going to say, hell no, I want the best wide receiver. And Marvin Harrison makes complete sense. If if you're a big Marvin Harrison guy, does that scare you a little bit playing with Kyler? Or do, are you still, do, do you think that Kyler could win in this league? Not that he could put up numbers, Might. but do you think like Kyler is ever going to be the starting quarterback in a Super Bowl? I don't know about a Super Bowl necessarily, but I think a playoff team consistently. We, we We've seen it. He yeah. just needs, he needs better coaching. I mean, the problem was, I mean, think of all those years under Cliff Kingsbury and the strong starts they had. I mean, they started off 7-0 and one year. I think, what, 5-1 and one or 5-2, and two, whatever it was, another season. And then, you know, they're, they're missing the playoffs or they're barely getting in. The, the issue always was with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury being figured out by other teams, and then there were no adjustments. There was no, like, there was no layer to what he was doing offensively or the game plan in general. He kind of just stuck with who he was, and everybody figured it out. Kyler's now got new coaching, a, a new start, fresh system, all of that. He needs those weapons. He needs those guys to be able to throw the football to. So I don't – I actually – like, I actually really like the pairing of Marvin Harrison. Again, because it's most likely going to be Kyler. I, I've i never yeah. been a massive Kyler Murray fan, but I've never been one that says, like, this guy can't win in the NFL because, I mean, he can. He at least is a good regular season quarterback. He can get out there. He can make plays. The big question is obviously staying healthy. He's not a big guy and having the right coaching to put him in a position to get to that next level. And, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Is he playing video games, or is he actually watching film? Like, he's right. got to also want to, up here, have that motivation, be the guy that's watching the film, like a Tom Brady, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a, I mean, whatever quarterback that just takes this really, really seriously. Because he's got that. The question just is, will he, like, take advantage of it, you know? Yeah. I did find the odds actually posted as of today. Um, minus 200 for the Cardinals to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Pats are plus 275. Bears plus 350. If you think uh, what Cam said yesterday could come true, you're getting nearly 4-1 to one odds. And then the Commanders. Or, or what if they uh, trade down, though? It's not, by, it's not by spot, though, right? It's just by team. So no. what if the no, Bears. It's just by team. What if the, it's just by team. Yeah, yeah, so what if the Bears trade down? There's there's that op yeah. there's that situation there right and then maybe the bear I mean the question would be like where would the Bears go so let's say what if the Bears what if the Patriots decided they wanted to trade up and go all in on Caleb Williams and the Bears said okay we'll get multiple first round picks and then we'll uh, we'll keep Justin Fields and we'll draft Marvin Harrison right like so then getting the Bears in there and it'd be the third pick like there's that possibility too see this is what makes it complicated right. Because now we're talking yeah. about trade scenarios with could, what could be a lot of trades. And then this just throws everything out of whack when you're betting. So you're getting a better price on Marvin Harrison just to be the first non-quarterback taken rather than just go to the Cardinals. So I'm just going to stick with that bet rather than the minus 200. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's about to get I, fun, man. I love this time of the game. Oh, man. Uh, it is, this, is, this is where the lying season begins. Rob Brown next. Bet MGM tonight. 
Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Sometimes when we do this show, Ryan, it's the stuff that happens off the air that should be on the air, minus maybe some of the words that are used. I'm just going to bring Rob Brown on with us now because what's the, I mean, he's here every week. We just sat there during the break just quoting, uh, you know, Waterboy. And it's just, you bring up such a great point. We're like, there are certain movies where you can just sit there and you can quote it and everybody knows exactly what the hell you're talking about. Now, people don't understand. I got a Bobby Boucher jersey sitting behind me right now. If you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, the home setup has no real jerseys. Well, not in the shot. It's all movie character jerseys that are here. Shane Falco is always the one people gravitate to. But I said, Rob, don't sleep on Bobby Boucher. And then after that, it just became one after the other after the other from Waterboy, which to me is one of the all-time great quotable movies. Uh, it's also 26 years old since we asked. Oh. And also my knee my knee hurts now for like no reason at all. <laughs> God. Your arthritis yeah. is kicking in. Oh, Jeez. Hey, we were talking about the NFL draft last segment. And do, does this to you, the because this is how we kind of feel. Like, Bobby Boucher obviously is not in the draft, Bob, in case you're wondering. Uh, but <laughs> we this just has the feel to me of one of those crazy NFL drafts with a lot of trades, a lot of lies. I think it's going to be more difficult to bet on this time around only because of the potential for so many trades, the potential for six, seven wide receivers going in the first round, a lot of edge rushers, some tackles, obviously the quarterbacks, especially at the top of the draft. Like all of the most important positions in football are at a really deep spot in the first round. I feel like it's going to be insanely difficult. So every year right after the Super Bowl, uh, I do I do mock drafts, right? I think we all do. It's just one of those things that we as dorks love the opportunity to do. And this year, I got about four picks into it, and I was like, "Yeah, screw this, I'm done. I'm not doing it this year because of that, right? Like it's just it's 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 too much. There's too much to guess. We have yes, Kevin Warren can come out all day and tell me how sold they are on Justin Fields and how much belief they have, and he's the guy. I don't believe you, sir. I just, I just don't believe you. So, and that's not to say that I guarantee that Justin Fields is not a Chicago Bear next year because I have no damn idea. And if he's not, who moves into that spot? Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, yes, they could be on the hunt for a quarterback. I personally think whoever passes on Jaden Daniels is going to live to regret it. That's a guy I've been hyping all year long. That's a, that's a question mark. If you do want a quarterback, is Justin Fields the guy? Is Kirk Cousins going to be back in Minnesota? Like, this is going to be, through and after the combine, two months of sheer chaos between here and there. And you're, that's exactly the reason. There's a whole lot of I just don't knows uh, with yeah. free agents, with trades, and with picks. What do you think Atlanta should do? Like, in, in your perfect situation for Atlanta, like, is it Justin Fields or is it like a Jaden Daniels, Drake May? Do they get a rookie or would you rather it be a guy that's, you know, got some experience? Because I don't uh, know. I just feel like that never really works out. You know, the guy with experience. Uh, listen, I'm a Saints fan. So I, the perfect thing for me for Atlanta is to lose another 28 to 3 Super Bowl. Yeah. But if I'm trying to actually make that team better, Jaden Daniels is my guy. Like, I understand Justin Fields has got the experience. Yeah, we all know that. Justin Fields had DJ Moore this year. Justin Fields had the tools there. How much do you blame Matt Eberflus? That's up to you, but obviously not that much because they decided to keep him for one more year. I am going to go with 
We've seen good moments out of Justin Fields. Have any of us seen multiple moments, more than like a fistful of moments that you looked at Justin Fields and went, there it is. There's that flash of greatness, right? Like there's that spot where we go, okay, this guy can do it. We really can blame the Bears. I have not seen that. I saw that out of Jaden Daniels over and 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 over again for LSU. And oh, by the way, he he won a Heisman Trophy off of a three-loss football team, which you're, from what I've been told, not supposed to be able to do. And he did it. He's that good to me. I'm absolutely rolling the dice because if you get it wrong with Jaden Daniels, you get it wrong with Jaden Daniels. It happens with quarterbacks all the time. But if you get it wrong with Justin Fields, you're also coming off of Justin Fields' contract, which means that you're not going to be able to build as efficiently around him as you would in Jaden Daniels. And also, Jaden Daniels is real good at foosball. Real good at foosball. <laughs> yeah, really awesome, Ed. And he made me a lot of money. And also, first non-drafted quarterback, Marvin Harrison, went from minus 185 to minus 500. All right, I wanted to show everybody I'm smart because I can't believe we got this far. I didn't hedge my Niners future. We bet some Niners. Nick liked the Niners. You and Trista were on the Chiefs. She, we don't yeah. know when she's coming back to work. Gloat, make fun of us. We were dumb. You bet Mahomes. You were smart. I Listen, I'm just going to go with uh, Ryan and I are now one and one and talking you know what to each other based on picks between the Natty <laughs> yeah, and yeah, this yeah. one. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to tap dance on the grave too much because I'm also one and one in championship games. Uh, this year, I, let me let me say about that game real quick because I know everybody wants to talk playoff Pat, and we should. Playoff Patrick Mahomes is that guy, but I'm kind of over the phrase "don't sleep on playoff Pat." It's Andy Reid you can't sleep on. He he straight up did in Kyle Shanahan. Go back and watch that game and watch what San Francisco was doing to take advantage of Travis Kelsey, who finished the first half with one snag for one yard. Right. San Francisco drew up the absolute perfect defense to remove Kelsey, to put the pressure on, you know, all these other Kansas City wide receivers who outside of Rasheed Rice have been largely uh, not there throughout the season, more drops than any other team in the NFL. And then in the second half, when Andy figured out what they were doing, they changed up the game. They started going with a lot more empty set. They started moving the running back to be the slot right receiver instead of Kelsey. It forced the linebacker that was playing one-on-one -on -one bump every time against Kelsey to move in. Now, all of a sudden, Kelsey's open. And wouldn't you know it, he goes from one catch in one yard to what was it? Eight catches for 93 by the end yeah. of the game. Like, yes, Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP, fine. And, and I say fine only because realistically... There wasn't really anybody else you could give it to. To me, I know we don't give MVPs to players on losing teams. Christian McCaffrey was the MVP of that game as far as I'm concerned. I just know we don't give it to, to guys on losing teams. The MVP of that game should be the MVC of that game, and it should have been Andy Reid because the halftime adjustments he made won it. And also, Kyle Shanahan firing Steve Wilkes was a bull you-know-what move, dude. An absolute bull. He gave up. His defense gave up. One offensive touchdown to the Kansas City Chiefs. And oh, by the way, the one offensive touchdown came on a muffed punt when they had to go 16 yards to pay dirt. That is a coward's move, Kyle Shanahan. And you have lost me as a bro. You know, wow. you bring up the Andy Reid over, not over, but like, let's give more credit to Andy Reid and not just Patrick Mahomes. 
in, in a lot of ways, it's really just the perfect marriage, right? It's the perfect pairing between the two where, you know, we talk so much looking, obviously, at the draft here. By the way, I found something here. If this would interest you guys, team to select number one overall. The Bears are minus 390, but the field is plus 250. So there's, there's stuff like that out there, too, where if you do think the Bears are going to trade away that pick, maybe there's that opportunity. But, you know, it, 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 is, it does come down to fit where being the number one overall pick, number two, number three, whatever the case is, isn't it necessarily the best thing? I mean, financially, initially, you make a little more money, but it's so much based on situation. It's so much based on the culture, you know, the offensive line, the coaching staff, and what the expectations are going to be. Patrick Mahomes was drafted into the absolute perfect situation to succeed. One of the all-time great coaches, a veteran quarterback in front of him, and a team that had one of the best records in the NFL that season moved all the way up to go get him and said, hey, sit back, learn. We got you for a year. This is going to be your team down the road. They put him in an absolute perfect position to succeed, and then he's got three Super Bowls because of it, Rob. Yeah, that's it, man. Listen, Reed and, and Patrick are perfect. I would go so far as to say I think Andy Reed's good enough that there's a lot of good quarterbacks you could plug into Kansas City, and that offense would still be fine. It just happens to be excellent because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But, hey, look. Let's look at what C.J. Stroud did in Houston right like, this year, right? I mean, this was a a, a mix of uh, D'Amico Ryans turns out to be exactly who I thought he was going to be when they hired him, just a young, fantastic guy who gets it and gets his players wanting, on to, wanting to be on the same page, built an excellent staff around C.J. Stroud, and they nailed the draft. They got their guy at QB at two, and then they got complimentary pieces. And, oh, by the way, it doesn't hurt when you peg both the offensive and defensive rookie of the years in the same draft. But realistically, it is about, especially when you're talking about drafting a quarterback, right? Like there are two guys that are coming off the board in the first three picks that I don't love. And that's Caleb Williams and Drake May. I think Drake May's got a little Josh Allen, but not quite as talented. Caleb Williams, I just, I, I look at the dude and I know that I'm making a judgment call without knowing him personally, but Caleb Williams doesn't strike me as the guy that's got the head on his shoulders for the NFL. We all saw him on the sideline when things were going poorly at SC this year. You look at the, the, the attitude of a Patrick Mahomes when things are going poorly and counter that with Caleb Williams. He just looks like a dude who it gets in his head and he starts to fall apart. So I'm a little concerned about that. Part of the reason I think the kid out of LSU, Jaden Daniels, is the right guy to go one overall, but that's another discussion. I think it's about the circumstances, and more importantly, again, if you draft quarterback, to draft complementary to that pick down the line. That's what Houston did, and all of a sudden, C.J. Stroud's winning a division. Granted, it's because the Titans imploded. It's because the Jaguars imploded. It's because Anthony Richardson got hurt in Indianapolis, but that's the NFL, right? Like Things like that happen, and you've got to take advantage of them the Texans did around C.J. Stroud. It can be done, but you got to hit on a talented guy. You got to pair him with the right coach, and you've got to draft complimentary and build around that guy. You've got to buy into a rookie quarterback immediately. This is why I got so frustrated with the Carolina Panthers. They got Bryce Young, and then they did nothing. They got him Hayden Hurst and went, "Oh, that's good enough for you, right?" No, that's not. That's not a thing, dude. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, uh, we got about three minutes. Pitchers, catchers, reporting, baseball season. I need an early February 15th World Series pick, and it can't be the Los Angeles Dodgers. I allow no laziness here. <laughs> I'm going to go with this. I appreciate that. 
because the lazy yeah. pick is the Atlanta Braves. That's the team okay. in the NL. Like, I know, listen, we're all hype on the Dodgers. We, be, we should be. Shohei's there. Here's the thing. Shohei's not pitching. So we, you picked up a great DH. Nobody's arguing that. Shohei time is going to be an incredible DH. But you picked up a DH. Does a DH swing the team? Like, does a DH take you to the next level? Look at one through four in the Braves lineup and look at the Dodgers one through four. They're pretty much level. Now look five through nine. In five through nine, the Braves have three all-stars. They have one other guy that was right on the verge of becoming an all-star. And if Chris Sale is able to, with the change of scenery from Boston to Atlanta, get back to the dominant form he was in. And if Atlanta can do what they didn't do last year, which is keep their pitching staff healthy, the pitching staff for Atlanta, front end through the pen, can absolutely go toe-to-toe with what they built in LA. And the nobody wants to talk about it. That's fine. I will, boys. The lineup in Atlanta is Better one through nine than the lineup in Los Angeles. Atlanta, if you would have said no lazy picks, you can't have the Braves or the Dodgers, that would have been a better way to phrase it. But that's not what you said. And I'm a smart boy, Atlanta. (laughs) But it's funny, though, because, I mean, I was just saying, like, last year, this was a team that I looked at and thought this Braves team last year was better than the team that won the World Series, Ryan. So it's like you kind of look at this and say that it may come down to a team, the Braves and the Dodgers in the NLCS, if the Braves don't find a, or the Dodgers don't find a way to, well, you know, flame out beforehand. Yeah. Funny, listen, I, I, I think those, I think those are the best. I think those are the best two teams. Both of them did it last year, right? Atlanta lost to Philly for the second mm-hmm. year in a row in the NLDS. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Dodgers lost to the Diamondbacks. At least the Diamondbacks went on to the world series. So you got that going for you, which is nice. Boom, Caddyshack, add it to the quotable movie list. You're welcome. I uh, I think that I think that those two teams, top to bottom, are easily the runaway best two teams in the NL, and it's not particularly close. The only question is, will whatever bug – it's playoff baseball, fellas. It gets weird. It happens every year. Nobody should be shocked. Yeah. Which one of those two teams is going to be able to put whatever it was that did them in in the playoffs last year in the back pocket, get past it, and move on. And whichever one of those two teams answers that question won't just be in, fellas. One of those two teams is winning the World Series. I have already got a bet plunked down on Atlanta and LA because one of those two is taking a ring next year. Only got like 30 seconds here, but I will say this. I think the future now of the Orioles with new ownership, that's not going to be cheap, puts that organization in a position to be an absolute, I mean, they could be a dynasty if they're willing to spend the money on those young kids they have. I agree. Foundational is is incredible. Baltimore did what Atlanta did, right? They invested in the farm system. They built an incredible foundation, and now they've got guys in the position to sign the checks that are willing to do it instead of talking smack to their own fans for no damn reason at all. Yes, Baltimore is going to be good for a while, but they're still a step behind Atlanta and Los Angeles. Oh, no question. Young, talented, but still have a ways to go. But you're right. I mean, when you look at this and you say – what, what, what are you doing saying this to your fa- the Angelos family is just complete disaster that was one of the greatest sales oh, like just leagues as a whole should realize bad ownership force them out it's not good for your league it's not good for the sport we gotta hold owners accountable more that's a conversation hi David Tepper oh god oh one after the other after the other Rob Brown bet for the cycle the fan upstate always good to talk to you buddy see you boys next Thursday it's bet MGM tonight now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. BetMGM Tonight. It took Caitlin Clark like three minutes to break the record, by the way. 
She started off with 17 of the first 24 points for Iowa. You know what I love, Ryan? I love watching a great shooter just make everything. Like Steph Curry and Klay oh, yeah. Thompson and their primes. When that like when those Warriors teams would go off in the third quarter for like 25 straight points, watching Caitlin Clark is watching those Warriors in their prime. Where there was just a moment where you would sit there and go, it's just everything's going in. You expect every shot to go in. And it's effortless, and it's just a beautiful, smooth. Like I love, I would rather watch a shooter just shoot with a smooth, beautiful jump shot than I think anything else in basketball. Period. Like I don't care if you can dunk all over people. No, give me a great shooter. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's like James Harden said. I mean, when he was taking a shot at Giannis, anybody could just be six eleven, seven foot tall, run up and down the floor and dunk. I gotta have mm-hmm, skill. Mm-hmm. I gotta have a special skill set and. I mean, if you got a pure jumper, man, I don't think there's anything more, obviously, like more beautiful. Uh, Steph Curry. Um, I went to high school with Allie Quigley. It was awesome watching her beat yeah. Chris Paul in the horse competition. It was really awesome because I had money on it and because we didn't have anything else going on because it was in the middle of a damn right. pandemic. So it was nice to actually have some sports. But uh, that's I'm looking forward to the All-Star game this weekend, All-Star weekend. I love the three-point shooting contest. Like the dunk contest, we talked about this last night, man. I really don't care anymore, yeah. which is crazy because growing up, that was the main event for me. Now it's the three-point shooting mm-hmm. contest. There's so many great shooters. There's big men, great shooters. You know, I mean, like Carl Anthony Towns. We all kind of laughed when he called himself, you know, the best big man shooter ever, but he's he's pretty damn good. He could shoot the rock a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of the All-Star weekend... I have not bet three-point contest yet. I did talk about SGA for MVP in the All-Star game. But I got another one for you. Tyrese Halliburton playing in front of the home fans, Indianapolis. I think there is a chance. I don't know if it's the three-point contest. I think it's maybe more of a chance to MVP in the All-Star game. But I just feel like there's going to be something for him there, right? Like, we, we... like, for me, SGA, like, this is a great opportunity for him to show much more of a national audience. Like, hardcore NBA fans know who he is. But the reality of it is a casual NBA fan may, may not know. Like, he's not a household name yet. But Tyrese Halliburton's in the same position. And both these guys are on young, up-and-coming teams. Thunder better than the Pacers right now. But they both have an opportunity this weekend to, like, really put a stamp on this season and let everybody know the great players that they are. And when you're in front of home fans like Tyrese Halliburton is, I think I may also bet Tyrese Halliburton to win MVP. Dude, I like that look. I mean, we talked about it, you know, for MVP. The reason I would like the MVP look, hometown crowd, like you said, the assist numbers. I could see him throwing like a bunch of alley-oops off the backboard. Oh, doing some God. Crazy he could have 25 assists. Crazy right. And then also getting his buckets, knocking down some threes, getting to the rim because nobody's going to be protecting it or playing any defense. I'm looking at the odds right now, the updated odds. Yeah, he's taking some money, uh, you know, because I saw some plus 550 out there. Now plus 440, a little bit better than 4-1. to one. Dame's the favorite, plus 370. Trey Young, plus 550. Malik Beasley. Yeah, if I'm making a bet, it's probably Carl Anthony Towns, 7-1, to one, or it's Tyrese Halliburton. You know, I'm going to join you, plus 440 right now. I'll play it. I wish I would have got the better price, but I do like that look. Whoa, I got some breaking NBA news. What do you got? Clay Thompson is going to come off the bench for the Warriors tonight. He got benched by Steve Kerr after that that foul last night. Wow! Really? Is a punishment or is this a new role? 
I don't I don't know. Maybe it's a punishment, but it's not like he's been a con the consistent Clay Thompson that we remember. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's a little bit having to do with the Warriors shaking this thing up because, again, like Steph Curry said, right, they're average. That is an average team at best. They've played better defense. Yeah. They've certainly improved from where they were earlier in the season. But the Warriors are two-and-a-half-point favorites at the Jazz. Remember, this is a game that's actually being made up after the death of their assistant coach. Uh, but right now, that total sits at 241-and-a-half in a game. I'm trying to find what Clay's props are right now. He's going to come off the bench, it looks like, for the Warriors. That is – that. let me tell you something. When you start making moves like that, yeah, his points are only 13-and-a-half. 13 and a half, that's it. Minus 105 to the over. Minus 125 to the under. I might play some unders on that right there. Yeah, he's been in the doghouse a couple of times. I mean, mm -hmm. I, he said, a, man, it was a couple games, it was a couple days ago that he would take a lesser role with Golden State to stay with the team. And I was shocked to hear that because, um, I don't know if I talked about this with you or with Sean Levine. Remember, that was the first thing that he said when they formed the big three, when KD went there with Steph. He's like, I'm not taking on a lesser role. I'm not sacrificing anything uh, is pretty much what he said. And so now he's like, whatever. I, he, I mean, he's made his money. He wants to stay in Golden State. If anybody's mm -hmm. going to go, though, I think it's going to be Clay. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to get anything really in return. He has been shooting the basketball a little bit better, but he's not the same defender anymore because he's obviously had two major knee surgeries. He even said that, you know, he's coming off pretty major uh, injuries yeah. right there. So he's obviously clearly lost a step, but. Um, yeah, shocking. So as Scott points out, yes, he, he has been benched before in games, but this is going to be the yeah. first time he's actually going to come off the bench as opposed to starting a game. So, I mean, listen, if I'm Steve Kerr right now, especially this, this is the last game before the all-star break. Uh, it, it's kind of just, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of worn out players after what happened last night, blowing that huge fourth quarter lead to the Clippers, the emotion that's in it uh Steph frustrated afterwards as he's been a lot this year and really a team that doesn't know how to deal with a lot of adversity let's be honest the the Warriors other than the years where everybody was hurt and that doesn't really count they're not really used to being in this position where they're like they've lost their powers right they, they can't do what they used to do it's like you know we realize Ryan when we're in our 30s as opposed to 20s things are different right it's the same thing for yeah. the Warriors they're going through that whole process now so I would bet more than anything this is just kind of a message. They were, I mean, the foul when the Warriors were down three last night to the Clippers from Clay. I mean, he was livid at that. So I think there's there's a mental side of this too, whether it's the mental uh, aspect of putting him on the bench, bringing him off the bench, seeing what that does, and maybe that even sparks something. I'd almost go yeah. the other way. I'd almost take the over 13 and a half points because Clay goes out there pissed off and actually wants to make some sort of a statement. There is that, but again. It's the second night of a back-to-back. -back. They're coming off an emotional, hard-fought loss to the Clippers, blowing that lead. This is a game they were supposed to play. Their assistant coach died, which was just an awful story. And it's the last game before the All-Star break. If I had to take a side on that, though, I think I would still take the over. But again, that's what gives me pause and pulls me away. But like we said at the beginning of the show, if there's one night to really just kind of be real cautious with the NBA, tonight is the night. Yeah, maybe just see where this goes, too, because if anything, this might be a good thing for Clay. Like you kind of said right there, I mean, also, like, they could use another score with the second unit, a guy that could come off the bench, knock down some shots. Maybe it'll rejuvenate him a little bit, um, wake him up a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of it is just, like, Clay is not capable of being Clay anymore because of the injuries, because he's getting a little bit older. I mean, not by age, but because of the injuries. Um, 
So maybe this will be a good thing for him. Uh, you know, they could use a spark off the bench. He could be like the mm-hmm. leading scorer for the second unit. And this might just be like who Clay Thompson is at this stage of his career, too. Not everybody comes back from a knee injury or two knee injuries and is the same player. I mean, look at Derrick Rose. Like, look at some of these guys. You know what I mean? Like Tracy McGrady, Grant Hill. This just might be his role where he comes off the bench, gives you 12 points, three boards, a couple assists, plays some defense. You know, I, I, uh, I think we got to wait and see, though. I don't know if he's going to accept this. Need some more information. What's it would going be on right. It'll it'll be interesting to see how this goes over and what the situation uh, actually is. But you're, I mean, yeah. maybe playing against the second unit, it just gives him maybe it's some more of its confidence, and he still closes games. I mean, this is all the stuff that we got to figure out. He's going to factor in. Steve Kerr's got to do because like none of them have been in this position before. So at this point, you're Steve Kerr. You're like, I'm going to try anything. I'm going to figure out what I can do. So that'll be interesting. Clay Thompson coming off the bench for the Warriors tonight against the Jazz. All right. I don't know if you're a big trailer guy or not when movies, maybe video games come out, but this is a special, special edition of Horvat U. Time to paint the face and listen up. Class is in session at Horvat U. Ryan, are you somebody that gets excited? I know you're I know you're still a video game guy. I know you got your you got your at least Madden. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years in the making, my friend. But EA Sports NCAA football dropped their first teaser trailer today. The game is coming back. It comes back. They're going to have like a bigger thing in May. And then this summer, you're going to see the game back out there on shelves once again. One of the greatest football games of all time is going to be back, my friend. Yeah, and especially because, like, Madden hasn't really changed. Really, the last decade, it's just been the same game over and over again. So I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to see where they go with this. I mean, I'm playing NCAA 2005 still. Uh, In fact, (laughs) if you want to try to find that game, you have to pay, like, $95 to $125 for a used version. Um, Everybody wants NCAA football back. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. You can Mm -hmm. run your program. You can become the head coach. You can become the AD, or you can become a player. Uh, many different ways that you could go. You could just take over a team, get together with your buddies, have a little mini tournament. And I, I mean, it's the last time that we played NCAA football, the BCS was a thing. So every once in a while you would have yeah. a season where you'd go a perfect 12 and 0, 13 and 0, and you'd still get screwed. You wouldn't even play for a national championship. Now we have the expanded college football playoff names and likeness. Yes. There's going to be real players. You could create your own guys. I'm really jacked for this, man. I probably won't buy Madden, to be honest with you. And what I like is it's going to come out this summer. That's what I was hoping. Like, give it to us right now. I don't want to wait until August, till camp. Like, give us something. So for uh, those of us that are depressed, waiting for college football, uh, we could dig into. But yeah, man, I was always a big NCAA fan. NCAA football 14. Do you you remember who was on the cover of that? Was 14 Charles Woodson? No. Uh, Denard Robinson. Denard Robinson. Yeah. Denard Robinson. Yeah. Who cool. yeah. so I remember yeah. played for the Jags for a while, and they just listed him as weapon. It wasn't wide receiver, quarterback. It was just weapon. And that's it. God, yeah, that's, Man, that that's the last fun. one that I have is, is NCAA 2014. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that was the last year that they made it. That was the Denard Robinson. I mean, 
man. We're getting Good. old. I mean, it's just... I can't believe that it's actually coming back, though, to be honest. I didn't think this was ever actually going to be a thing. Like, I thought we were getting the trailer right after the national championship, and then it never it never dropped. Yeah. Pretty hey, Nobody cares as long as it's actually out there, and that's the case. Right. So we have it. Here we go. We'll talk to Sean Marash next hour. Bet MGM tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more Bet MGM Tonight. Presented by Bet MGM. Live from BetQL.